Thank you very much all for coming. Thank you, Rebecca, for arranging it and to Miriam for sponsoring it. I'm going to project now. So what I want to do with you tonight is really to do an in-depth analysis of several lines of Perak Felek. What I want to do, hopefully, is open up a way of reading Agadita for you. And the first part of the shir, we're just going to try and figure out what the Agadita means on a very first level. Then we're going to try and take that and put it into a second level of meaning. And then we'll try and talk a little bit about the meaning of that meaning. Okay, so that's our first, right? First, we're just going to do a straight literary reading. Then we're going to talk about some of the, the, the theological implications of that meaning. And then we're going to talk about the nature of Agadita as a whole. So here, we're going to start with a line in Tanakh. This is source number one. Right, Yeshaya, Perek Samach Dawad, Pasuk Gimel says, Ayin loro ata elokim zilotcha yaseh lamechakelo. So let's suppose we can translate much of it as saying that no eye has seen God but yours. What, now yaseh, the antecedent becomes difficult, but let's assume it means what he, God, will do. Lamechakelo. Now lamechakelo has at least three possible readings. It could mean... Um, to, to the one who is waiting for God. It could mean to the one who is waiting for the thing God will do. Or it could mean to the one God is waiting for. So as we read, as we go on, we'll have to try and figure out which of these understandings of, of Lamecha Kelo, who is waiting for what or whom, is central to this Agarita. Now, in Perakhelech, on Sanjur Saritet, among other places, we have a statement of Rabbi Shua bin Levi, who tells us what this pasuk means. He said, Amar Yeshua ben Levi, source number two, Ze yayin ha-mishumar ba-anavav misheshit imei breshit. What is this thing that no eye has seen but God, which God will do for those who wait? It is wine that has been guarded in its grapes since the six days of creation. So it is, in a sense, is... Um, Young wine from old grapes. Because the wine, right, the wine has been taken out of the grapes, so it's still very sweet, but the grapes have been aged because the grapes have been there since the beginning of creation. Now, where do we get this from? Where do we get the idea that there is wine? Where was there wine in creation? Look, read through Breshit, Perak, Aleph, through Gimel. You won't find any wine at all. The first mention of wine shows up in the story of Noah. And the question is whether the story of Noah could possibly have any connection to this Agatha, which says that there was wine in the six days of creation. So let's read the story of Noah. This is source number three. So Noah, Ish Adama, planted a vineyard, he drank from the wine, he got drunk, and he, re- he exposed himself within his tent. Within his tent. And then, Vayar Cham ate Ervat Aviv. There's this mysterious thing that Cham sees. And Noach gets very upset. When he wakes up, he knows, Vayeda Asalo And therefore he curses Cham. So there are lots of things that are very difficult to understand about this text in its own right. Why does Noach plant a vineyard? Right. Why, does he set, why does it seem set out deliberately to get drunk? What did Cham do that was so terrible just by seeing? 
there is a um, there's an agarita that might perhaps reflect a deep understanding of this narrative, which is in source number four, where the um, where one of the possibilities that the Amorai mention as an interpretation of the story of Rashid Perek Bet and Gimel is Vatikach Mir Priyova Tuchal Amar Rabbi Evi Sachata Anavim Vinat Nalo. What Chava gave Adam to eat, and presumably what she ate herself, was wine squeezed from grapes. So now all of a sudden, we have two Agaritas which tell us that there is wine in the six days of creation. Where do we get this idea that there's wine in the six days of creation? So now we go back to the Noah story, and we discover that Noah is described very peculiarly as Vayachal Noah Isha Adama. So it might be that Noah is described as Isha Adama just because he's farming, or it could be that Isha Adama means that Noah began to behave like Adam. The result of Noah beginning to behave like Adam is that he drinks wine, which we now discover that, that the Midrash believes Adam did also. And what happened after Adam drank wine? He discovered that he was naked. So here is what I think the larger framework of this is. Chazal understand Noah as attempting a kind of homeopathic medicine. He is going to undo what Adam did by doing it a second time. What Noah does is he, right, is he, dr- he drinks wine, just like Adam did. He gets naked, just like Adam did. But he's hoping that what he's going to do is to undo the sin. What he wants to be when he gets naked is he wants to be Adam Harishon before the sin. Because what's he doing? What, is, what does wine usually do for you? It enables you to forget shame and knowledge of good and evil. That's what getting drunk means. So if what the sin did is it gave us knowledge, knowledge of good and evil as, right, as reflected in embarrassment about nudity, so Noah says, I can undo that, and the first thing he does as he attempts to recreate the world having survived the flood is he re-drinks the wine, takes off his clothes, and expects to be back in Gan Eden Kodem HaChet. But guess what? It doesn't work when there's somebody else who doesn't see you the same, the same way you do. So Noah is all there in his tent, believing himself to be Adam Harishon Kodem Achet with nothing to be ashamed of, and Ham walks in and giggles. Innocence does not survive in the presence of experience. Everything is ruined. Instead of being Adam Harishon Kodem Achet, Noah is a naked old man rolling around inside his tent. And he wakes up, and what does he have? He has a yedia. Right? What does he know? He knows that what happened was really wrong and not right. And so drinking, right, drinking the wine again didn't undo the chait, it redid the chait. And that's why, right, and that's why Noah curses Ham. Because his whole right, because his whole belief that the world could be that the world could start from scratch over again for real, that the chait could be done, was completely ruined, or el- or possibly 
right? His illusion that it could be done was completely ruined by Ham, who didn't see things the same way he did. But a question we should ask ourselves is, where did Noah get this idea that you could undo the chait? Where did Noah get the idea that the way to undo the chait was to drink the same thing again? Okay, so we're going to hold that. But now at least we know uh, where wine got into the Sheshi Right? If Chazal read Noah in this way, so then right, they, they decided reasonably that the Eitz Hadat Tovara must have been a grapevine. So we know why there is we know why there is um, why there is wine. We don't yet know why this wine is preserved in its grapes, and we don't know why this wine is something that nobody has seen but God. And we have clues, perhaps, in that sight seems to be very important in what happens when you drink the when you drink the uh, when you drink the fruit of the tree of knowledge, but we don't have a real explanation as to why. So let's take a look um, as we, when we read this, let's read the story of the original fate and see if we can learn some things from it. So what happens in that story? The story begins with sight. Chava sees the tree and she sees the tree that the tree is good and it is a temptation to the eyes. So we have a pasuk which begins ayin lo ra'ata which puts wine back into a story which begins with Ri'ia and with an ayin. She sees all these things, and their eyes are both opened. Everything that occurs in this story is seen by, is seen by eyes other than those of God. Ayin lokim means that there has to be something that isn't in this story that is only seen by God. And yet how can that be? Because all it is is wine. And it seems that in fact wine is being seen all through this story. But we can go on. So they know that they're naked and they sew, um, they sew uh, cloaks of fig leaves. And then God says, now God, now man is like one of us. He knows Tovarah. Now we're afraid he's going to take, he's going to send forth his hand and also take from the tree of life. And then he will eat and be immortal. So God sends the Adam away from Gan Eden to work the Adama Asher Lukach Misham. Right, so he sends Adam away from Gan Eden, to Adama, which is what Noah does. By Yagarish to Adam, he exiles the man. By Yashkein Mikedem Lagan Eden etakruvim, Vedla Tacherev Hamitapechet. He puts east of, east of Gan Eden the cherubs and the revolving sword, Lishmor et Derech Etzachayim. So there's wine that is guarded since the six days of creation. Well, we have something that's guarded from the six days of creation. The thing that is guarded from the six days of creation is the Eitzah Okay, so now we know what it is 
that will be reserved, that um, that God will do la michakelo. What God will do for the michakelo is He will give them the wine, uh, the wine made from the grapes of the tree of life. Except, the, nobody ever said anything about the tree of life being grapes. They said the tree of knowledge of good and evil was grapes. So where do we get this idea that the tree of life is a grapevine? So now we're going to take a look, take a look at two other psukim. Take a look at um, sources 6 and 7. So it says, The woman said to the snake, We can eat, we may eat from all the trees of the garden. But from the tree... That is in that is in the toch of the garden. Amar elokim lo tochumimenu lo tikubo ben tumutumutun. God said, "Don't eat it. Don't touch it, lest you die." Mipri ha'etz asher betoch hagan. What tree did God command us not to eat from? The tree that is betoch hagan. Which tree is betoch hagan? Let's take a look at source number seven. Vayitzmach Hashem elokim min ha'adama. Call eights. God brings forth from the Adama every eights. I remember hearing, reading about somebody who tried to who brought an eights forth from the Adama. That was Noah. But God brought from the Adama call, from the Kalamites, Nechmad Mareh Betov Machal, the eights hachayim betochagan. And the tree of life was betochagan. What? But in source number six, Chava said that God told us not to eat from the tree that is Betochagan. And that tree, of course, was the Eitzhadat Tovara. So if the Eitzhadat Tovara is the tree, Ha'etz, Asher Betochagan, how can the Eitz Ha'chaim be the, be the tree that is Betochagan? There can't be more than one tree. It's Ha'etz, Asher Betochagan. So what is the Eitz Ha'chaim doing, Betochagan? So to answer that, we'll turn to source number eight. Source number eight is a pasuk in Dvarim, and it tells us, Behold, I have given before you today the good and life and the bad and death. Well, we've all heard those terms before and associated with each other. What is it that gives you knowledge of Tov and Ra, which God has just done, right? God has put before the Jewish people, right? He's the, the good and the bad, the Tov and the Ra. So what has God obviously just put before them? The Eitzadas, right? But what has God actually put before them? What has he actually done? What has he taught them? He gave them free choice, and what? It, right? But how do, how do human beings with free choice know what is tov and what is ra? The Torah. The Torah. What could else could what else could could the Eitzadas tov ra be? The Torah. There isn't any other way for human beings to know tov and ra, and it is of course also. What gives you right? What gives you chayim and mavet? Because the etzadas is what brings mavet into the world. So Torah must be the etzadat tovara. But we have another pesuk in Mishlei, 
Sick, which we're all familiar with, which we sing, which says, What is Torah? Eitz Chaim Hi, Lamachazikim Ba. So Torah is the Eitz Hadat Tovra, and Torah is the Eitz Chaim. The Eitz Hadat Tovra is the tree which is Betochagan, and the Eitz Chaim is Betochagan. How can all these be true? So the answer. I think Chazal say fairly explicitly, is in source number 10, Agadeta in Yoma, Daf Ayin Amar Rabbi Yeshua bin Levi, Rabbi Yeshua bin Levi, we've met him before, Rabbi Yeshua bin Levi was the one who said that, uh, that the Ayin Larat Kim Zulotecha is the Ayin HaMeshumar Ba'anavav Misheshi Yimei Breshi. So Rabbi Yeshua bin Levi offering a consistent reading of the creation story, says, what does it mean when we say this is the Torah which, uh, which Moshe was some? So we offer a fun pun. Zacha, if a person merits, na'aset lo sam chayim, the Torah gives you life. Lo zacha, na'aset lo sam hamavet. If you have not merited, the Torah gives you death. In Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi's reading, there is only one tree at the center of Gan Eden, at the center of Gan Eden. The Eitz Hadat Tovara and the Eitz Chaim are the same tree. It depends on who you are. So it is not unreasonable for Noah to try to plant the same tree in the hope of undoing the fate. Because there is only one tree. The question is, why didn't it work? Why is it that sometimes it's the Eitz Hadat and sometimes it's the Eitz Chaim? So Rabbi Shubin Levi says, Zacha. Okay, but how is one Zoche? How is one supposed to know in advance? Is it a lottery? Sometimes you drink it, right? There's a 50% chance and you have to get it exactly the right slot. So I think the answer to that question, which is, right, what the difference is between the Eitz Hadat Tovara and the Eitz Chaim, why it's sometimes one and sometimes the other, is found in another Agarita. In Avodah Rabbeinatan, we read the following. Ketzad Nivra Adam HaRishon. How was Adam HaRishon created? Sha'ar Rishonah. In the first hour, apologize. In the first hour, his dirt was gathered together. There we go. We got it. Sorry about the watch. I think it's fine. <laughs> um, that wasn't you know a you know, subtle rebellion against time limits. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah, we're, we're going very fast. Uh, so the first hour, his dirt was gathered. The second, he was given his form. Shlishit Nase Golem, the third, he was made, right, the, the, um, the physical body was created. Revi'it Kashruiverab, and then his limbs were pointed together. In the fifth, right, his orifices were opened. In the sixth, he received a neshama. In the seventh, he became, right, he stood erect. In the eighth, uh, he was, right, he was uh, paired with Chava. In the ninth, God put him into Gan Eden. In the tenth, God gave him command. And in the eleventh, he sinned. And in the twelfth hour, 
and the twelfth hour he was um, he was um, exiled. Now, on what day is a, of the week is Adam created? On the sixth. So it's Friday, and we say the first through twelfth hours. What are we talking about? When does the fir- when when are we starting from? Sunrise. Sunrise. So Adam is created all Friday, and he is exiled a moment before Shabbos. Okay. When does the Eitz Hadas turn into the Eitz Chaim? On Shabbos. But Adam ate the Eitz Hadas Tovarah too early. He ate it Friday afternoon. He was supposed to drink it on Shabbos. So what is it that he did wrong? He did not wait. Ayin lora'ata elokim zuatecha ya'aseh la'michakelo. Right. No eye but yours God has seen the good thing that will come to those who wait for it. What is the good thing that will come to those who wait for it? The wine from the Yitzchak, the Yayin HaMeshum the wine that is now guarded in its grapes since the Sheshit Mehab Reshit because once Adam ate it too early, it was guarded. Okay, so this is part one of the shear. That you have what looks like uh, what looks like an innocent line with a, with a proof text that doesn't seem so entirely relevant, and it turns out I think every single word of the proof text is absolutely precise and refers to a much larger construct. That the way in which Rabbi Shua ben Levi read the story of Bereshit is that there is only one tree at the center of Bereshit, and that tree is Torah. And Torah can give you life, or Torah can give you death. But Adam was in the virtue that distinguishes between Torah as life and Torah as death is patience. Okay. Well, that's level number one. Okay, and that I hope, even if the rest of the shir is utterly unconvincing, that this will change the way you read Agatha entirely, because you realize that many Agathas can be decoded in this way if you pay attention to the precision with which the proof texts are, um, um, are chosen. But it turns out that this one line that means occurs in the context of a larger regalic discussion. So if we take a look now at, um, by the way, everything I said should be just recognized in source 13, um, which Many people other than me also quote as the Or HaChaim, which allegedly is from a Breshit Rabbah, but I have, I'm not aware of anybody who's actually found the Breshit Rabbah that the footnoters claim the Or HaChaim says. What does he say? He says, Shabbat, If Adam had waited until Friday night, then he would have made a bracha on the wine of the tree instead of sinning. Okay, so you should be aware, right, that putting it into the Agalita is my Kiddush, but the overall structure is something that, um, that I think is uh, well-known. Okay. 
Source number 13. This is the Gemara that I think many of you have learned in um, Perak Chelek. Amar Rabbi Chia Bar Abba Amar Rabbi Yochanan Kol HaNeviim Kulan Lo Nabu El Limot HaMashiach All the beautiful things described in the Nevi'im, those are going to happen in Limot HaMashiach. Aval Leolam Haba but there is something after Mashiach. And whatever that thing is after Mashiach, No eye but yours, God, has seen that, meaning that the Nevi'im can't describe it because even the Nevi'im have not seen what will happen in Olam Haba. But this statement disagrees with Shmuel, the Amar Shmuel, Shmuel says, what the Nevi'im say can't be about Yimot HaMashiach either. Because Yimot HaMashiach, really, the Nevi'im are way wilder than Yimot HaMashiach talks about. So the Nevi'im must be talking about something beyond that either. And, but everyone agrees. There's something, which is what the Pasuk means, there is some kind of reward that even the Nevi'im were not capable of perceiving. And they never described. Vi Amar so you know what, I'm going to skip a little bit. We're going to read the next paragraph just so you can see that, um, that the broader idea here is filling in. So the ultimate reward goes to Tamid Chachamim because you cannot have the Eitz Chaim unless you learn Torah. All the mitzvot you do don't help unless you learn Torah. But there's a middle one, which is what this shir is about. All the rewards in all the rewards mentioned in Tanakh are only for people who sin and repent. But the right, but the absolute tzaddikim. They get, they get the reward that nobody has ever seen. This is not the popular one, right? Everyone likes the statement that disagrees with this, but Rebbe Baraba held that Baalei Tshuva can never achieve the level of tzaddikim gemurim. Whereas Upliga Rabbi Avo, but this disagrees with Rabbi Avo. The Amar Rabbi Avo, Makom Shabaalei Tshuva Omdim Sham Tzaddikim Enam Right? Rabbi Avo said that people who have sinned and repented can stand in places where people who have never sinned cannot stand. What is the machloket about? It's not a direct machloket, it seems, because they don't use the same language. One of them talks about what the Nevi'im have seen. The other one talks about place, where people can stand which is an interesting choice of language. Now it turns out, if we continue at the end of the Gemara, it turns out there are actually two different interpretations of Ayin L'Ra'ata Elohim Zulotecha. One of them is my Ayin L'Ra'ata, Amar Yishuv and Levi, this is the one we're familiar with. Ze Yayin HaMashumar Banavav Misheshit Mei Breshit. Reish Lakish Amar Ze Eden L'Ra'ata Ayin Meolam. This is Eden, which no eye has seen. To which the Gemara says, "Vim Tomar Adam Hechandar." So, if no eye has seen it, how how is it Adam didn't see Eden? The answer is Adam lived in the Gan. And if you'll tell me the Gan and Eden are the same place, that can't be because Kumash says there was a Nahar that went out of Eden to be Mashke the Gan. 
So Eden and the Gan must be different places. So we have a machloket about whether Ba'alei Tshuva are greater than Sadiqim or vice versa. And it may be that that machloket is about who gets the reward that no eye has yet seen. And it may be that that machloket is also reflected in two different understandings of what it is that no eye has seen. One of them says that it is the wine that is Shamur Banavav Misheshit made Breshit. And one of them says that it is a place to which no human being has gone. Let's play this out. Adam Rishon is placed in Ganed. At that point, has he sinned? No. So what is he? He is a Tzadik. He is a Tzadik Gamur. And then he sins. And the question is, when he sins, what he loses is the capacity to drink the Eitzah Chaim. Because he's exiled from Galilee. And there's a guard placed. There's a guard placed that prevents Adam from ever going back. So the question is, does Tshuva Will Tshuva ever enable him to get back to drink the Yetzir Chaim? Or does something have to happen that completely creates a new human being who has no relationship to the past, who has never sinned? One way of framing that is that in Yemot HaMashiach, we are still fully human. So Yemot HaMashiach, you still don't, Yemot HaMashiach is for Bali Tshuva. It takes a long haba. Right, the Lama Ba, where human beings are no longer physical, for, human be- right, for us to lose the chait. So the first position, or Chiyav Ar-Ava with absolute consistency says, says that the Nevi'im, when they, when they prophesied for Yemot HaMashiach, that's for Bali Tshuva. But the thing that nobody has ever seen which is the wine that's still in the grapes of the Eitz HaChayim, because Adam didn't wait long enough to see it, because he saw, right, because he saw it the other way. He saw it as the Eitz HaDat. That thing, you're going to have to wait for Lam when there's the possibility of being Sadiqim Gimurim. There's no way for Bali Tshuva to get back there. The only way to get to drink the Eitz HaChayim which is the ultimate achievement of humanity, is to never have sinned. We blew it. It's all over. But this position disagrees with the position of Rabbi Avot. Rabbi Avot says there is a place where Baalei Tshuva can stand that Tzadik and Gemurim cannot. There's a place. So now we try to think about what happened the story of Rashis tells us that God created a human being and he placed him in Gan Eden. Now why did he place him in Gan Eden? He placed him in Gan Eden because Gan Eden was the ultimate place and if everything were perfect, we would still be in Gan Eden? Or did he place him in Gan Eden because he hadn't yet grown up? Comes along Rabbi Avo and as right, in, consistent with him, Reish Lakish, and says 
that really the per right, human beings were placed in Gan Eden temporarily. The goal was to the goal was to get to Eden. And the only way to get to Eden is to be thrown out of the gun. But the road out of the gun doesn't lead straight to Eden. But there's no entrance to the gun from Eden. There's no entrance to Eden from the gun. You have to get thrown out of Eden and then you can find thrown out of the gun and then you can find your way back into Eden. The Makom can get to Eden. Tzadikim Gimurim are permanently in the Gan. So the Machloket, whether Ba'alei Tshuva or Tzadikim are greater, is fundamentally a Machloket about whether human beings achieved their potential initially, or whether the Chet that was something that was necessary for human beings to grow up. And one of the most radical explanations of it, the most radical um, application of this. So if you take a look at um, source um, 17, we'll skip a lot. Source 17 is a Mishnah in Yoma. The Mishnah in Yoma says, Homer Somebody who says, I will sin and repent, I will sin and repent, does not get to repent. In the 18th century, I think it is, maybe it's the late 17th century, somebody asked a question to a member of the Shach's Beit Din. And the question they asked was, it says in the Gemara that that the place of people who have done tshuva is far more advanced than the place of those who have never sinned. And that sounds terribly unfair to me because I've never sinned. And why should I not be allowed to reach the place where Bali Tshuva reach? So can't I sin just once? <laughs> so I can have the experience of doing tshuva. Now, had the Shiloh been asked to me, uh, perhaps I would have pointed out that you should seize the opportunity, and you should also you should do a mitzvah, something like um, theft, which or robbery, or right? zela, which enables you also to fulfill the mitzvah of a like zela, which you never get to fulfill, unless you've actually unless you've actually stolen something, right? Or no sorrow, where you can write all sorts of things like that. That was not the answer. <laughs> That was not the answer given by the members of the member of the shops What he said, what, what, but he gave an answer which mine is derivative of. He said, "Yes, go ahead and sin once, because the Mishnah in Yoma says, It's only if you do it twice, but Omer once." And he said, on the basis of this, we can understand what seems like a very weird source number 18. If you catch a Talmid Chacham um, sinning in the night, Now, well, okay, so what? He still sinned. No. Maybe that he was doing his one sin. So he could have the experience of tshuva. Okay, so now we have a, uh, right, we have a notion that this agarata, which we've now read, actually plays out to this radical, fundamental debate about the nature of human experience. Is the goal of humanity to be in a sheltered gun? 
where hopefully you'll never sin. And maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. Last time it didn't work. Maybe it'll work next time. Or is it that human beings need at some point to escape the gun? And recognizing that when you escape the gun, you don't go directly to Aden. Okay, that's what I think is pshat in the Egaleta. However, now I want to, uh, I want, there are a whole bunch of other interpretations of this Egaleta, which seek to uh, explain what it is, right? What it, what it, what, what the machloket is, whether um, tzadikim gemurim or um, or balei tshuva are greater, and it would be fair to say that none of them uh, match up well with this reading. So you can look at all of them and see, right? You can see that the um, that the marasha says uh, says it's all about whether you get more reward for resisting yitzhar or not. Um, you can read the Ramam who says it's a, Ramam says it's all it's just about the schar for resisting your yitzhar. You can read the um, Radbaz who says it's there are two kinds of balei tshuva. There are balei tshuva who um, there are balei tshuva who um, really sin, and there are balei tshuva just just from thinking about sinning. It could be there's a difference that ties in with the Ramam that maybe there's a difference between people who have sinned in acts and people who have simply have had poor character. It's possible, my friend Revelation Salovich suggested that there are two kinds of tshuva. Of course, there's tshuva miyira, which just uh, which just um, atones for your past sins, and there's tshuva me'ava, which turns your past sins into virtues, and maybe that makes you a tzaddik gomor. But what I want to read you to in conclusion is uh, a fascinating statement by Revelio Odessa in the Mikhtav Melio. I want to read that with you and then ask you, ask, ask you whether you think he's right or not. And if he's right, what is that, right? Is it possible to fit that with the reading of the Yagadat I have offered or not? So Rav Dessler is source number 19. Rav Dessler says the following. Rav Dessler gets a letter from two students um, who I believe, um, I, don't know, I think he's on a boat somewhere when he, when he reads this letter. Um, and he gets, he gets his letter from those two students, and they offer him a reading of this Gemara. And the reading of the Gemara they offer is, Shareyesh liyasheh, you can, you can resolve the you can resolve the conflicting opinions as to whether Tzadikim Gemurim Abalei Tshuva are greater or not, by saying, Demitzad gilui chasdoit barach, mitgalei yoter tshuva. That the grace of God is revealed more by Ba'alei Tshuva, because Tzadikim Gemurim don't really need grace. They deserve the things that God gives them. But when bad things don't happen um, to people who have done wrong things because they did tshuva, so that is a much greater giloy of the chesed of a Baruch Hu. Mash'enken ha'avodah ha'atzmit, but the essential work of serving God is migalet yoter b'tzadik me'ikaro. That is, right, that is deeper, deeper, more greatly revealed in the people who have never sinned at all. To which Rav Dessler says, you are very right. What you say is very, very true. 
Disputes are only possible in halacha. And even in terms of halacha, disputes have to be end-stage disputes as to what do we actually do. But when it comes to the substance of the matter, lo shayach machloket. Machloket is impossible. So when you have what appears to be a machloket in a galata, even with the word ufliga, which we saw over and over again in this statement, Avdesler said, you cannot believe that there is actually a substantive difference. What you have to do is you have to create okimtas. You have to say this is talking about this and that's talking about that. And the Gemara's use of the term dispute is only, um, it's actually it's, is an appearance, but not the truth. Okay, so the question I'm leaving you with is, first of all, is that true? Why would it be true that you can't have a machloket, a real machloket in a galata? Is that, is, right, is that position compatible with the reading I've offered of a machloket, right, of the machloket as to whether Balei greater than Sadiqin Gmurim or not. Okay, and with that, I'm happy to take questions. Yes? Um, you're saying this says there isn't a machloket, uh-huh. but I read it as he may be a machloket, No, 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 I, that, I, I think that's just incorrect. He says the, the, the category machloket only applies to halacha, and I gotta tell you, he tells you right, even in halacha, you can only have limited machloket, and I gotta tell you, you can't have machloket at all, and that's why his students were correct when they said there was no machloket. Well, clearly, there are different Yeah? Not according to Dessler. They might conflict in their interpretations of texts, but in terms of the underlying message they wish to convey, all Agatha says must be perfectly consistent. But they're not. Exactly. So you think he's wrong? Yes, but I, I'm not convinced that he's wrong. And I think that what he might be saying is that the that Chivipanim la Torah, you can't say for Allah necessarily in the sense that you have to do one thing or not another, but in Hashkafa, you can have different opinions. No, so I think that I'm telling you, you're confused again. Totally I think it's completely wrong. Yes, yeah. all right. <laughs> In terms of literature, I think there, you know, I think that there is a machloket. We have a machloket. That's all I can say. I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's possible. Okay, that's fine. I think there could be machloket in the Gaza. Oh, sorry. That's usually that's that's more direct. I usually respond to questions. But I really don't think it's possible. I really don't think it's possible. Thank you for your courage in, in saying it. Um, other yes. Uh-huh. That's a great question. What makes him say this? Anybody have any ideas? Why would somebody say that you can't have machloket about a galata? Because they think it's Tarel Moshe Sinai. 
Okay, that's very nice, right? That there is, right? That the Ramam says you can't have machlokin abalachol moshe b'sinai. So they think all agada says halachol moshe b'sinai. Okay, now where did they get that from? Why would you think that? Okay, so that's, that's a beautiful tushtol, though. Right, uh, I applaud. Also for giving me the opportunity to use the word tushtol in a uh, <laughs> in a sentence for those of you who got it. It's one of those words that you really you're like Schadenfreude. <laughs> See, now I got to use both of them. Uh, pretty soon we'll be up to anti-disestablishmentarianism. Uh, okay, other questions? Ideas? Yes? As long as things are theoretical and the world of potential, uh-huh. and it's not machlokin, but when you concretize something and say it has to exist in a, in a substance, then you all of a sudden have to make decisions between which substance is existing, and then you have machlokin. And what is saying, when you do an action, then you're stuck. When you're in Ganeden, no, anything can happen in Ganeden. Uh-huh, so... For example, right, if I have a theoretical position, right, position as to whether, in principle, I think that government is the solution to problems, and you think that government is the cause of problems, we don't really have a machloket until we argue about which program. And you think that's what Rav Dessner means? But then why does he, then why does he have to, why does he have to support his students' understanding of of reinterpretation of, of the machlogan here, that one is Gilei Chasta, right? We could just say there's a machlogan about whether who's greater and who cares. Because the, then you're judging people. Why would you want to judge people and make people feel bad? Why would you want to judge? Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay, so that's a new yeah. nafkimina. Rav Dessler is in the world of liberal thought. <laughs> I think we're pushing it a little bit here. <laughs> just, a, just a little bit. Yes, please. Beautiful. Now I'm going to push it one step further. Okay? Let's suppose you're right. There's only one set of facts in the world, and therefore... Let's suppose I'm right in terms of what Right, let's suppose you're right about that. Absolutely. So let's say, let's say the same thing is true of physical reality. Right? So there's really only one physical reality, and it cannot be true that, um, that this bima is both three feet high and six feet high. Is there any reason there can't be a makloket by whether the beam is three feet or six feet high? Well, you have to presuppose something about the knowers, right? In other words, in terms of who has access to that. You have to assume that nobody can be wrong. Okay, so if you say, right, so if you say that Agatha reflects some, right, reflects an underlying truth which does not admit of multiplicity, Right, it's not It's not about pluralism. It's the absence of pluralism. Right? So therefore, right. So then, if you were to say there was a machlokus in Agarata, you would say that right, you would have to say that somebody was really wrong. In halacha, you can have a machlokus, and yet nobody is really wrong, because they both fundamentally understand Torah the same way. There's just a minor thing they disagree about what to do. 
But if you were to have a machlokis in a garata, that would mean that somebody was wrong. That would mean that you could be following a position in the Masoret, honestly and with authenticity, and not just be doing the wrong thing, but be having wrong ideas about the world and about God. I think Rav Desra thinks that's impossible. It can't be that somebody functioning within the Masoret could really be wrong. Can't, it wouldn't be fair to people following the Masoret for, the, right, for it to be possible for you to honestly be following the Masoret and be wrong. The price of that is that you can't have real, right, the most passionate arguments about the deepest issues in life aren't real. You can't have a real argument about things that matter. Because that would mean someone was wrong. Can't have that. So that's the issue that I want to, right, want to leave you with in terms of the understanding. Right? If you read Agarita as bromides designed to teach you nice, nice lessons about how to be nice to people, which is great and valuable, but in such a way that they never, right, the Galatia never tells you anything that you don't know and already agree with. Right? So then you'll end up that there's no machloket. Right? The way to make sure there's no machloket is to make sure that you never read a text in such a way that it can challenge you. Another way of reading a Galatia is to assume that the positions are talking about deep things that really matter. And when there's a machloket, people were passionate about it. And there's a stake, there are stakes. You might be right and you might be wrong. So what I offered, I think, was a, uh, a reading of an Agatha, which I like to argue, I like to think, and you have to decide for yourselves, if it's Mukhruch. Right? Is that really what the Agatha means? If you think that's what the Agatha means, then you have to decide, do you think that that really, that the question of whether it's Hadikin Gemurim or, or, um, or Balei Tshuva Omdim is really a fundamental dispute about about humanity, so then you have to believe that a Galata is capable of deep machlok. On the one hand, that makes the study of a Galata more important, because a Galata can teach you things you don't already know. Right? If, it, if a Galata is not subject to machlok, then it can never challenge you. On the other hand, it runs the risk. Maybe we pass in the wrong way. Maybe we all like the position that Balei Shuvah are greater because we've all sinned, and we don't like the possibility, thinking of the possibility that by having sinned, we have lost the possibility of ever reaching the heights we might have. Okay, so that's where I want to leave you with tonight. Decide whether the particular Agatha is right, decide whether the meaning of the Agatha is right, decide whether you like that way of reading Agatha as opposed to Abdesses. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rabbi. Oh, yes, you're right. Thank you, Clapper. Again, the uh, shear tonight is in sponsored in memory of Miriam and Nathan Sussman.